this may be, you know, like their worst day literally. And really to just stop and think like, I think back at different points in time in my life where I was a hot mess. I would not want somebody to judge me and to decide what I could and couldn't do. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. Today, we're talking to Laurel Barrett on dropout prevention, and it's a topic that's very near and dear to me as I was a high school dropout. Um, I dropped out my junior year of high school, and I lived in my car, and I was going nowhere fast. Luckily for me, some community members helped me get my life back on track, and there's one in particular who became a very close friend and mentor and still is to this day. And so with that support, I went on to graduate high school on time, and I worked full-time to pay for my own apartment, and then I also went on to finish my bachelor's and my master's degrees. Your story is very powerful, Kat, and I know there are many other people who have experienced this, whether it be themselves, a family member, or maybe even one of their students. And as Laurel will soon share, community involvement and student supports are so vital to preventing these dropouts. Let's listen in to my recent conversation with Laurel to learn more. My name is Laurel Barrett, and I am a Director of Dropout Prevention and High School Initiatives at K-12. Thank you, Laurel, um, for taking some time to talk with us today. I know October is Dropout Prevention Month, um, which is obviously very important to community members, schools, teachers, and specifically students. Um, can you tell us why this is so important to you and your team at K-12? Absolutely. Um, thanks for asking that, and thank you for, for having me here today. I appreciate that. Um, so for me personally, uh, it's, it's been really a driving um, passion in my life um, as, as somebody who's worked in education for over 20 years now. Um, I started off really when I myself dropped out of high school when I was 15 years old and really, you know, ha- struggling to find a school that was a good fit for um, my own circumstances of needing to live on my own at that age. And so I became really passionate about education and, and working particularly to advocate and support students who are most vulnerable and at risk. And that really has fit well with the work um, I do at K-12. And for our organization, um, one of the things that, I mean, there's, so, there's a number of different things that I think are really important about what we offer and why I was drawn to the organization and why it's important to our team. So, you know, I, I think it's so important to have a really wide range of options for students. I think that every kiddo is, you know, um, not, you know, the same cookie cutter mold. Um, you know, every kid comes in, you know, different shapes and sizes and they have different needs and preferences. And so being able to have this option um, to, to school in a virtual or, or hybrid environment is just one more chance for um, other students to find a place where they feel comfortable, they feel safe, they can continue their education. And for our organization, you know, we, we've really seen um, a large population of students who, and families who have chosen our schools because they themselves, you know, sort of have struggled to find that right fit for their student. And sometimes you know, at the high school level, it, this is their last hope, you know, nothing else has worked or they have limited options. Um, and so, it's something that our organization has really made some significant investments in and in trying to better support and engage um, and help 
these students and families be able to continue their educational path to graduation. Um, more, I think in the past three, yeah, about three years, K-12 has invested over $150 million in our programs and services. Um, my favorite, you know, close to my heart, um, would be our family academic support team model, which is an integrated student support model that is a case management team to support those students and families who have some sort of barrier to, to learning right now. It could be a temporary crisis or it could be, you know, um, issues with um, poverty. It could be, you know, medical issues, mental health. I mean, whatever the situation is, this team um, handles referrals from teachers and staff who feel like this kiddo and family need some extra help. And then through this team model approach, they work with everyone, whether it's to refer them to a community resource for um, maybe issues of food insecurity, uh, you know, a food bank, or, you know, just to provide some additional training on being an effective learning coach, you know, helping your student um, as a parent with their schooling. Um, or it could be just connecting them to other family members, you know, who have this kind of um, educational experience and, you know, they want to meet other people who are like them. And then, of course, you know, the biggest component of it is helping students um, get back on track educationally, whatever it might be, you know, helping them just come up with a concrete plan for, okay, here's where you're at, working out, you know, what, what you need to do, you know, we're going to hand in hand take you um, from where you are now together to get you back on track so that you can um, continue to progress and persist in school. And that's that's been a really wonderful program to see grow and develop in our organization. Um, it's been in, this is its second national uh, pilot phase year, and it's just amazing to see the impact that it can have on students who otherwise, you know, might fall through the cracks. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. The month of October is dedicated to national dropout prevention and calling attention to the ongoing and important need for dropout prevention research and model programs until our nation's dropout rate is zero. To help honor and support those efforts, we are talking to Laurel Barrett, Director of Dropout Prevention and High School Initiatives at K-12. Next up, she shares an example of how proper supports, both inside and out of the classroom, helped create a transformative experience for one of her former students. I've seen so many stories from this particular program in terms of it being effective at helping kids, you know, students who just felt like, you know, they had to give up and, and wanted to, you know, this helped them to feel like there was hope and that they could re-engage. Um, you know, my personal experience when I started off with our organization as a teacher and school counselor, one of my um, first students that, you know, has always kind of stuck with me is, you know, um, over these nine years of being at K-12, like just sort of the power was um, a girl that I worked with that um, was at risk and um, had come to our school. She'd had uh, a really difficult um, public abuse trial in her city, and it was a rural area. So there's only, you know, your local school that was available. And we didn't know this when she enrolled with us, but um, she had... I. First, she first come to my attention, similar to how we work in this in our family academic support team model, as a teacher referral. She'd written some stuff that, you know, kind of sounded scary, a little violence even. <clears throat> and so the teacher was obviously worried. And I reached out to her. Once I started to talk to the student and understand and to see that she was really struggling to to even want to continue her education, um, 
you know, why she was so upset, you know, what had happened to her, you know, that's when we kind of uncovered what was going on. Um, once I just sort of, you know, similar to what I, what our, our fast team does, just helping her to kind of see like, okay, well, what are your strengths? What do you like to do? You know, digging into her record, learning really about her so that I can better serve her and so that our school team can better serve her. And um, her passion was art and she was actually really talented. And it was just like that in particular for her, that was the most critical lever. Once I helped connect her, I was able to change her, you know, courses around. I got her into an art class sooner, got her um, connected to our art teacher who was just this wonderful, you know, our teachers are so great, <laughs> you know, and they had an art club. That, I mean, that was the critical level for her. That is what made that difference. And once we did that and once, like, she understood that, we were there. We were going to help her, you know, and and I did make sure to connect her with other resources, made, you know, followed up, made sure that she was receiving the treatment and supports that she needed, connected with mom, you know, all of those things. But I, what I really remember was uncovering her, her interests that drove everything, you know, and then being able to, it's like everything else then could kind of fall in place with, you know, making adjustments to her schedule, getting her buy-in to believe that the school, that this school community cared about her and we didn't care about that public, you know, trial that had happened, that she was our student and we were going to do whatever it took to help her succeed, you know, getting her back and then being able to get her to believe enough to really then work harder in school, that's amazing. You know, when, when kids feel like they're not going to be successful, it's really hard to try. Like, that takes tremendous effort. And and yeah. just knowing that we cared about her, she could be successful, it, it that's really what helped make the biggest difference. And then, of course, there's all the practical aspects and, and things that are put into place um, for, for sustainable support. But that was the first... Um, that was really the first thing that, that made the, the impact that opened the door. How, as community members um, beyond the classroom, can we help raise awareness about the issue that is dropout prevention? Well, I mean, I think that's a really good question. And I think with, you know, sort of wicked problems like this, you know, it can feel so overwhelming. And it's like, well, what can I possibly do to make a contribution to this? this issue. And I think you can do it on a number of different levels. I mean, one, just, you know, as a voter, like if there are bills or issues that are about school funding opportunities or, you know, if you see different opportunities, I know some states they've had um, different initiatives even specifically to support sort of dropout prevention efforts. Actually, in the North, in the Pacific Northwest, I remember seeing something. Um, you know, when those situations come up, you know, try to get involved. You know, vote, um, show support, you know, that, that you care about it, whether you've got your own children or not because you care about your community. Um, try to support, you know, opportunities for student um, service learning and internships. So if you work in your community, you know, talk to your HR. See if you can set up something for an internship working with a local, at, you know, high school, whether it's online, and you know, on-site, whatever it may be. Those opportunities are so incredibly valuable for kids, you know, being able to get that real-world um, experience in the workplace. It does so much for their self-esteem and their confidence, and they learn really practical skills. And so that's sometimes, you know, just things like that are, are simple um, but incredibly valuable. And then, you know, of course, you know, providing more direct support, whether it's, you know, organizations that um, provide mentoring opportunities, whether it's, you know, providing tutoring yourself um, after school. But, you know, I think being able to to lend voice to 
the needs of our most vulnerable students and being able to advocate for them regardless of your circumstances, whether you're a parent or not, I think that's one of the most important and valuable things that, that people can do. And I think that you help to really um, be an advocate and be a voice for for all of those students. And especially when you can help to maybe challenge um, biases or stereotypes about students who may be at risk of dropping out. Um, you know, sometimes that comes up with pregnant and parenting teens. You know, people feel like, well, morally, that's, that's a terrible choice. And nobody's going to think that teen parents are a great choice. But, you know, making sure that it's even more important that those kiddos get an education because it's going to be critical not only for their future, but also for that child's future. So I think, you know, things like that are, are really are really valuable um, ways that you can support this this movement. You know, one of the things that, that I talk about um, with with the educators we work with is just the role of um, of shame and strengths and weaknesses and student dropout prevention. And what I mean by that is that, you know, these are students who right now, you know, this is a, they're going through a tough period, obviously, and it's really challenging. And if you've had you know, pervasive school failure, you've, you know, had a number of issues. They don't, students can't even see their strengths. And, and a lot of times, both students and family members in this situation, you know, they feel ashamed that they don't know how to help their student, that they don't know what to do, they feel like they should, you know. And, and one of the things I think is so important when we start to, if we start to look at our students and families and think, well, gosh, you know, like, get your act together. What's going on with you? You know, whether, whatever your role is, you know, it's easy to see um, the challenges and the difficulties and, and the deficits. But to really step back and think, this may be, you know, like their worst day, literally. And really to just stop and think, like, I think back at different points in time in my life where, I was a hot mess. I would not want somebody to judge me and to decide what I could and couldn't do, what I was capable of, what my possibility was, what my potential was based on, you know, kind of poor, the poor choices I made in eighth grade or ninth grade. And and when people think about like, oh, yeah, like we've all messed up. Everybody's messed up, right? That I think that's really, really important to, to recognize. You know, it gives empathy and a little humility, you know, for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think I think that's I think that's a valuable um sort of framing tool. Well Laurel, I just want to thank you so much again for your time today and for sharing your story and really for the work that you and all of the team at K twelve do to help support students. Um, and specifically to support dropout prevention. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's it's an area that we're really excited to continue to to work in, to you know, collaborate and and try and you know improve the the situation for for our students and and for all students really. So thank you again for your time today. Our youth deserves the brighter future that a high school diploma helps ensure. Through effective strategies for students, families, educators, and school leaders, more students can obtain their diploma and gain access to a better future. Thanks to K-12 for sponsoring today's episode. Their mission is to put students first and maximize their potential to learn and achieve. To learn more about K-12, visit k12.com and follow them on Twitter at k12learn. And thanks to our producer, Troy Lund, for making us sound so good. Be sure to check out the Getting Smart podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, hit subscribe and rate us. For more on all things innovations and learning, check out our blog as well at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Kat and Jess signing off.